0: The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Thanks for bearing with me last week. Technical issues kept me from being able to record an episode. But fear not, Media Noise is back on its regular schedule. And I guess we just sort of have to accept that interviews are part of what we do here now. I'm not going to waste a ton of your time here up top. I reached out to Paul Feinbaum, asked if he would like to be a part of the podcast this week. He said yes. So here is my interview with the SEC Network's and ESPN's Paul Feinbaum. So I know your media career began as a writer, but how did you how did you first make the jump to to radio? What was the recruiting process or the the interest that made you embrace this thing called sports talk radio, which was pretty new at the time?
1: Yeah, I, I, interestingly, I dabbled in it uh, for the first time fairly early in my career. Uh, EY Gold, who is a the legendary uh, sports figure, he's the voice of the Crimson Tide was doing a a daily show in Birmingham in the mid-'80s, and he had to be in Daytona every Tuesday night to host NASCAR Live, Mm -hmm. so he he needed a a fill in. Uh, So they labeled the the name of the show Fussing with (laughs) Seinbaum. It happened – I I had no earthly idea what I was doing. It happened to come on – Right before the uh, the Alabama call-in show, which at the time Ray Perkins was the coach, he had followed Bear Bryant, mm-hmm. and it just so happened to coincide with the first losing season in Alabama in 25 years. And I was a newspaper columnist and a critic of Perkins, so every every night, uh, every Tuesday night, we basically blaggered everybody up and helped about how bad a coach this guy was and you know, fired the guy, and it led right into his show. So at the end of the season, I got my first taste of the intersection of business and, and, and broadcasting. He went to the, uh, he went to the station, which was the flagship station of the Alabama network. Saying, you fire this guy or I'm pulling the Alabama game somewhere else. So let me ask you how long you think it took for them to fire me. Um, <laughs> so that was it. Uh, it's funny. The next day, uh, a friend of mine heard about it. He called the uh, other station in town, which was the Auburn station. So they hired me. Um, and, uh, Anyway, that began my, uh, I started, uh, very shortly after that doing morning sports with a group, uh, a couple of guys named Mark and Brian, that nobody had ever heard I'm of, sure. they took off. They became the biggest, uh, team in town. They became, they went to LA and became very famous for a long, long time. And, and so I did that for a couple of years. And finally I went back uh, to my second go around and talk radio. And this was now, uh, in the early nineties. And, uh, I, I learned a few things by then. <laughs> but uh, that was how, that's how I got into it. Uh, I, I'm still writing a newspaper column, but I, 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 will tell you, how did I get into radio? I began to sense the newspaper business was in a free fall. Uh, so I said, you know, what so I, I, spent, I started spending a lot more time on radio. It caused conflicts with the newspaper, but, uh, I did it anyway. And, uh, thank, thankfully it, it opened up the door.
0: So how long are you doing regular shows before you feel like it starts to hit its groove and you start to feel like the Paul Feinbaum show that was initially heard all over the country? How, how deep into, how many years into doing this was it before it started to sound like that for you?
1: It, it took a long time. I mean, we used to joke that it was so bad early on that uh, we would call people to, have, to put them on the air. I mean, we didn't have that many <laughs> listeners or callers. Well, what it did, though, is it cultivated a relationship with callers because we really we were, uh, you know, we were at a kind of an off brand station. And then in the early, uh, let's see, the the, the mid 90s was a big move. We went from the original station to a news talk Mm -hmm. and it was a more successful station and we followed Rush Limbaugh. And it really helped because the show was based in sports. But when you follow Limbaugh, you you have a very conservative audience. Right? Uh, they want to talk about things that they are interested in. So it was a sports show, but we would veer off. Uh, you know, we would get away from sports. For, uh, you know, like remember in the contra- the the election of two thousand. Uh, between Gore and, and Bush Gore uh, you know, we would spend a lot of time on that uh, which led to 9-11 which we you know we we, de- we dedicated enormous time to and and other events now that that uh, you know news talk began to ebb and flow and, and I was concerned about it and then finally in 2007 I, I we made what I think was one of the I think it was one of the most maybe the most important move in my career and I, thought, and I know that sounds crazy, but. I felt like we we had to get away from news talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, WJ, WJLX in Birmingham had uh, was on the verge of going to an FM signal for the first time. Uh, we made the jump. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, we had about five or, five or six people on our staff, and I, I I I said I'm I'm asking you all privately to tell me which what what should we do, and all five voted to stay where we were, and I broke the tie and decided we needed to leave. Um, <laughs> and, we, uh, we went to Jock's, and it was – so we went there two weeks after Nick Saban arrived in Alabama, and within a year, our men 2554 number had quadrupled. Yeah. Uh, was it FM? Was it Saban? Was it all of the above? I don't know, but but it, I mean, suddenly we were legitimate. We were a legitimate sports station.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was I was about to ask that very question of Do you think that was the move to FM, or do you think sports radio became that much more important in Alabama at that point?
1: But FM was critical because you, you, this is now 2007, and, and AM radio was in trouble. Uh, but Nick Saban was really the answer. <laughs> <I> <laughs> right. Mean, uh, uh everything was so important uh everything was was five times more important than it was the previous day when when he arrived uh you know he won a national championship and within uh two within three years and in in 2000 in the aftermath of the 2009 national championship season we we got a call that I thought was a joke uh my producer uh and the guy who really created the network the Fineball network which was on regional uh stations around Alabama and elsewhere Uh, a serious XM called and wanted to know if we wanted to be on their college sports station. And I I could not believe they were serious. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was really the turning point that happened in 2010. And uh, it lifted us off in 2011. uh, We got the famous call from Harvey Updike, uh, the guy uh, who said he had, he had poisoned the uh, tumors trees. And by the end of that year, uh, ESPN had done a, uh, 30 for 30 called Roll Tide War Eagle, which featured our show as the as the storytelling base of, of, of the of the documentary. It was about Updike and it was about the, the uh, Tuscaloosa tornadoes. And that really lifted us to another level, uh, which which led them to a profile of me in the New Yorker. Which guess what led to a book deal, which led to ESPN, and uh, which led me to this podcast today.
0: So I, I'm gonna I want to ask you about the uh, the 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 show as it exists now on SEC Network in a second. But because you mentioned callers, I, I do want to ask sort of how you feel about the callers to your show, particularly the regular callers becoming something of a punchline. I heard you the other day talk about the fact that you thought it was really funny the way Toucher and Rich up at the Sports Hub in Boston recreated a call about uh, Alabama losing in the national championship game. But I wonder if you ever feel protective of your callers, particularly when the ribbing comes from people outside of the South.
1: Well, I, I have heard many, many bits on, on Toucher and Rich, and, and they're they're hilarious. I mean, these guys are, are, are phenomenal. And, and, and I'm more than happy to provide uh gobs of, uh, of entertainment and content for them however <laughs> uh I, I i guard fiercely uh our callers i, I think it, it, because we started in birmingham and never had uh, the the tools that we do now being affiliated with espn uh we had to you know, we had we had to depend on something else uh and the callers were the show uh, i think uh I don't care. You know, there may be better talk show hosts. I'm sure there are many more, many, many better talk show hosts and you know, shows who have better guests and more entertaining subjects. Nobody has better callers than we do. I mean, I'm I will fight you to the death on that. <laughs> and 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 some of the and part of the reason is that I think we've, we make them feel comfortable. Uh, this is, the, you know, you go back 25, 30 years in network television and this is the cheers bar. Uh, where everybody knows your name, where you feel comfortable, you, 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 you belly up and, and you tell your story. And, and that has happened. I mean, what, you know, we get the crazy people, the, uh, the, the never Georgia crowd <laughs> who insist that Alabama is still the national champion because <laughs> Alabama's best player got hurt. But we also, we also hear stories every day of, uh of, of death and tragedy uh i mean I, I don't think we go a day when somebody doesn't call up and say listen uh, you know my, my mom's uh in in hospice but uh, she's a big fan of the show or i just lost my dad and and when georgia won the national championship you know listening to your show or watching your show uh it, it, it helped bring back uh, his memory i mean and that to me is very important uh, and and i i respect all the people that that come on. I used to work with Colin Cowherd and Mm -hmm. I thought he was brilliant. He would come on and uh, articulate and and pontificate for 15 or 20 minutes. I'm not capable of doing that. Uh, I I don't have that, but he does. But uh, I've also had people like Tony Kornheiser call me aside and go, what the blank? Uh, are, are these people that call in your show? Why do you talk to these morons? Why do you talk to these idiots? Because they are my family, uh, and you know, in, in, as long as I am sitting behind a microphone, uh, they will have a voice.
0: Yeah. So, what has changed about the show since making the move to? Well, let me let me ask this a couple of ways. Not just since making the move to ESPN, and now they're being an official relationship with the sec but also just the simple change of you're on tv now while you're doing this radio show
1: well the tv part was different uh it was difficult because even though i've done television uh it's hard to sit in front of a camera four hours a day uh you know i I loved radio you could look at your uh, computer you could look at your phone you could look at your ipad you can't it's hard to do that on tv because you you want to I, what I love about the, this is that before we start, everyone said, "Just be yourself." I'll never forget Scott Van Pelt grabbing me and said, "Don't let these people screw you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, just do your own show." So guess what? The first day, Dimitri, I did my own show, and everyone said, "This is the worst show that's ever been on television." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you just can't get get out there. And but that's what they—that's what uh, I was told to do uh so yeah it it's it's different uh but but I I have tried uh in spite of all the the, the trigger wires uh, that we have to to still give it the essence of what it used to be yeah we we don't always talk about subjects uh, that are pleasing to everyone but you know we do have a partnership with a network with, with not only a network uh who who owns the show but with a conference uh, who is who is equal to the network in, in the in 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 content and conversation? So yeah, I mean, you, you try to make sure everybody uh, gets along, and, and guess what? It's it's not always easy.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think about your audience. I think about where I grew up, and I I, I have often wondered as conference networks have become uh, almost a necessity, right? I mean, the Big Twelve has become so easy to raid because it doesn't have a conference network. Um, I wonder if the SEC is specifically set up for success in this area in a way other conferences are not, based on the geographic footprint, based on for so long there were no pro sports in a lot of these places. It, it seems like the SEC network is the one that has really established an identity in, in, in this business model that's become kind of ubiquitous for college sports uh, conferences.
1: Well, because the SEC looked at, at what, I mean, at the time the SEC launched, uh, only the only the Big Ten had, had right. done it. And the Big Ten made some serious mistakes. Uh, if you go back and watch the Big Ten Network in the in the uh, days following the Joe Paterno, uh, Sandusky uh, controversy, they didn't talk about it. Uh, and, you know, while you know, we, 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 don't, we are not uh, an investigative unit uh, looking for dirt, we do we do talk about what's going on in the league. And, and that was what I was I was encouraged by the by the by the leadership of the SEC, you know, be yourself. Uh, you know, we're not we're not we're not sugarcoating uh, bad news. Uh, for instance, uh, last Friday, I had George Kleokoff on the, mm-hmm. the commissioner of the Pac-12. He was uh, he, he was, in, in, in essence, uh, very critical of what the SEC commissioner had done as part of that four man committee that that launched the, uh, the CFP expansion, the 12 teams. i let him talk. I, I didn't uh, prosecute him. Uh, We've heard from the SEC countless times. We've heard from other commissioners. And uh, in fact, I, I spoke to the, uh, I've spoken to people at the SEC about it in the aftermath and they said, great. Uh, They, they want, they want people to know that this conference uh, network is, is, is open for, for business, that you you are going to come here and get a fair hearing. And I I think we really uh, made that crystal clear during COVID where, when everything was in, in total turmoil about the college football season, we had every commissioner uh, in, 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 the industry uh, on our program, giving their opinions. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, I, I am asking pertinent questions. I'm not, this is not uh, uh, you know, this is not going to be a, a cross-examination. Um, we just, we just, we just want to, we just want whatever, whatever, whatever your, your version of the truth is, um, we would like to hear it and then let everybody else decide.
0: Did you ever think when you started down the road of let's call it let's call it a multimedia fine bomb empire where you're writing and doing radio and making TV appearances were you able to foresee a day where you are making appearances on ESPN's morning show outside of college football season that college football has really established itself in the national sports hierarchy in the way it has
1: No uh, I mean I was when I, if you go back 35, 40 years, when I began, I mean, I would, I would have said, yeah, if, if I'm writing a column uh, for a newspaper in my, uh, in my 60s, uh, I would have taken it. I never dreamed that any of this was possible. And, and even, uh, I mean, I, I am still, I've been at ESPN now uh, almost uh, nine years, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I still get a little doe-eyed when, when I mean, I'm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I mean, to me, it's it's. it's I mean, I, it's still hard to, to 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 wrap my arms around in many ways because, uh, I mean, I'm I never. I've, I mean, all of my life I've been in fairly small towns, uh, and, and then suddenly, uh, you know, I start flying up to uh, Bristol, Connecticut, uh, to do Sunday Morning Sports Center. I'm walking through there. I'm going, wow. I mean, at, at, at this point in my career, and I'm realistic about where I am. Uh, I shouldn't probably be that uh, like. Uh, mesmerized by where but by, by, by where i am but but and even now you know for until COVID, i was going to new york uh every week during the season and I, I'm, I'm sitting there with greenberg and and here's you know uh, you know i mean i, I you know and w- w- Stephen a and i'm running into uh countless uh, celebrities from all over the, the the industry and i'm like going this I'm, i mean i'm still having a hard time wrapping my arms around it, even though i i'm you know i i i can you know follow the bouncing ball a little bit but but yeah this has been an experience i never dreamed of
0: how about the sec's place in the national sports hierarchy specifically i mean certainly you are always going to hear fans from outside of uh, probably the traditional college football uh, footprint period not just the sec states say they have fatigue for the conference yet the coverage is there people still watch
1: they do and in 2014 uh i did a book uh entitled uh, my conference can be your conference why the sec still rules college football it was a gimmick book mm-hmm. uh it was really about how we are better than you are it was an in your face high octane uh boastful we're better than you are uh you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, I I don't think I could get that book published uh, right. today. I mean, if I went, uh, I mean, it was a big deal and, uh, it you know, made the times list. If I went to Harper Collins and say, I, I've got a great idea for a book. It's about how great the sec is. They're going, Oh really? Like, is <laughs> is that news? Um, and I mean, yeah. Do we, uh, do we, do we irritate the rest of uh, college football with our boasting? Of course. But I mean, I just got back, uh, from the national championship game in, in 14 degrees Indianapolis, and it was between two SEC teams. So what – I mean, you don't really need to to pile on when, when it's self-evident.
0: Yeah, the traditional SEC hotbed of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before I let you go, I do sort of want to ask you about the conference's media future because we are coming up on the day that the SEC on CBS will be no more, uh, and the SEC turns over all of its media rights to ESPN – I wonder if there is anything you think the conference is giving up, be it visibility, be it whatever, by leaving that 3.30 kickoff window on CBS.
1: I don't. Uh, I understand this was a long-term, it was a 15-year deal. Mm -hmm. And at the time, uh, it it really mattered uh, if your uh, conference is located in Birmingham, Alabama, to be on CBS. But the, the college football fan watches... ESPN right now a lot more than he does CBS. Uh, I, I mean, if, if you're if you're a fan in Birmingham or Knoxville or Jackson, Mississippi, I mean, how many times are you watching CBS uh, throughout the week during college football season versus how many times are you on ESPN for Monday Night Football? I mean, yeah, you go over there uh, during the you – know, you might go over there for a, a, a pro game. Uh, you might have a favorite show during the week, you know, you know NCSI – you know whatever um but so it i i don't think it's a big deal and and i, I think it's i'm really you know everybody's excited about it and it's it's been a long way but but i don't think anything is is devalued by by putting all your rights uh, into uh, ESPN and besides i mean there's the you know it's not my decision but there's still ABC that's right. sitting there as a uh, as another landing uh, partner
0: no, to, to your point, I make the joke seemingly every Saturday on Twitter that I don't know what young Sheldon is outside of football season. Like, it's it's just not something that comes across my radar unless it's a commercial that pops up during the SEC game. So the, the move to ESPN, totally understand. Could you foresee a day, like as the media landscape changes, where, you know, one of the big games, be it the Iron Bowl, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, where that's not on ESPN, that's an ESPN Plus exclusive now.
1: I I suppose yes, it's possible. Um, my gut feeling is it won't happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the you know I think the people that run the SEC are are very pragmatic and smart people, and and they they know their audience. Uh, it just it's interesting that the SEC headquarters is in downtown Birmingham, and as you know, Birmingham is the number one football mm-hmm. market in the country and it's not really close uh so i, I think that would be a dangerous path i mean I, I can assure you i have no earthly idea what my bosses are thinking uh and, and uh, but I, I would not as, as, a, as a as a as a consumer of college football you know forgetting my role uh i, I would not be in favor of that
0: A big thank you to Paul Feinbaum, who, of course, you can see on the SEC Network and various ESPN programs throughout the week. Thank you for joining me, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of Media Noise. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review, and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.